Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Cats at Night. Now here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here and TGIF. Those guys that are not old enough to remember, that means thank God it's Friday. In the studio with us, we have two common sense Democrats. We have a common sense uh, Judge Richard Weinberg and uh, Governor David Patterson. And one common sense Republican. Uh, we have uh, Ed Cox. Uh, uh, he was uh, uh, 10 years GOP chairman of, of the state. And he's married to uh, Trisha Nixon. But did it's a Friday. A, did that make you uh, first son-in-law? <laughs> I don't know. Or second son-in-law. 50th anniversary. 50th. This year. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. And on the side my side is Lydia Serrani. And first. Uh, we have uh, Dick Morris uh, is calling in for a little bit of a tidbit as a teaser for his show, which I always listen to at, on every Sunday at 12 noon. Uh, wh- where do we have that tidbit from Dick Morris? With us today is Dick Morris, one of the smartest guys I know. He was a, a consultant a, a to Bill Clinton, and he was a consultant to uh, uh, the famous Donald Trump. And he knows where all the bodies are buried in Washington. Dick Morris, how are you? I'm great. Um, I'm, you know, every once in a while, every frequently, Washington becomes totally engulfed in a scandal. And all anyone talks about is that scandal for years and years. It was Monica Lewinsky, and then when Trump took office, it was the allegation that he was colluding with Putin to fix the election that Hillary made. And then it turned out that this dossier that contained all the contacts and all the facts, was a total fraud, completely phony. And everybody assumed it was made up by a British spy named Christopher Steele. Then it turned out that Steele was being paid by the Hillary campaign. So everybody assumed Hillary's campaign wrote it. Now, three days ago, we learned, in a filing by John Durham, the special prosecutor, that the guy who originated it was a guy named Danchenko, Igor Danchenko who is a Russian oligarch, and that he fabricated these stories based on ballroom gossip, you know, about Trump and hookers and peeing on them and all that stuff. And now it turns out that he was on the FBI payroll, that this guy who made up the dossier worked for the FBI in this whole Holy period, cow. 2017 to 2000. So it wasn't that the FBI was duped. It wasn't that Hillary was spreading disinformation her people made up. The FBI concocted it. And uh, it's the greatest intervention in a presidential campaign and then an effort to oust the incumbent president in our history. And uh, this is now in the official court filing by John Durham. Now this cast... John Durham, actually, John Durham, the U.S. attorney that was leading the investigation has put that in the court filing, which makes it, I mean, I don't see if any U.S. attorney that puts it in court filings unless it's 99.9% done. No, absolutely. So let's, let's, let's play it out, Pat. 
Well, you're going to be on at noontime on Sunday between 12 and yeah. 1, and you'll tell us the, the rest of the story. That's why I always I always tune in at noontime because I want to hear the rest of the story. But uh, what's going on in Washington could uh, mean the end of the world or the beginning of the world, and uh, I'm worried yeah. about what's going on. You know, but Dick Morris, I used to everything. say... We used to say was something rotten in Denmark. Remember, yeah, right. was something rotten in Denmark? Well, now I say that's there's something right. rotten in Washington. I think that's more appropriate. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But don't get assassinated like the other guy did. Well, poor Kennedy. He got assassinated. No, I meant Hamlet. <laughs> well, I meant in Hamlet. Kennedy, too. Who killed yeah. Kennedy, uh, Dick Morris? Yeah, right. Well, that's a long story. God bless you, and uh, God bless America. Thank you. Well, holy cow. I mm -hmm. mean, Durham has actually filed that in the papers. So something is rotten in D.C. In D.C. So, John, do you, have a, the FBI. do you have a thought as to why the FBI would even do something like that? I have no clue. I mean, uh, anybody Well, I know Judge Weinberg sure. has a clue. They're, they're, they're caught up in the Washington politics. Exactly. The upper <laughs> echelon, 99.99% the, 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 of the FBI is hardworking, love of patriotic Americans. You, you, the upper echelon might have, might have been politicized. But right now we have a special guest. And Lydia, tell us about our special guest, that he might have an opinion about what's going on. Attorney General Eric Schmidt, he's also a Senate candidate, and this is his first time coming to on Cats at Night, so we are thrilled to have you, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Welcome back. I mean, welcome to Cats at Night. Great to be with you guys. General, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Nice to talk to you again. Yep, absolutely. So, Thanks for having me. We have a lot of important issues to talk about. Let's start off with uh, inflation. What's your take on the inflation bill that was... Uh, Push through with uh, Joe Manchin's vote. Is that going to help I mean, inflation? No, it's a total disaster. It's like a uh, an Orwell to call it an Inflation Reduction Act is like newspeak. It's like this Orwellian phase we've entered into where it's going to exacerbate inflation. We all know that. Even independent, and forget about you know Republicans calling it that. Independent sources say it's only going to make things worse. And it turns out, guys, that when you pump trillions of dollars into the economy, and you declare war on American energy and affect the supply, prices go up. And not just at the gas pump, right? I mean, it affects everything. It affects, you know, at the grocery store, milk, bread, uh, everything, um, everything in the supply chain, rent. Get ready for winter is coming. I mean, get ready for utility bills with natural gas prices. I mean, this has just been a complete failure. And inflation isn't some, like, you know, a natural disaster like a hurricane or a tornado, I mean, it, it, it is it is completely man-made in this uh, in this instance. And Joe Biden, when he came into office, undid all of the successes we had seen under President Trump. You know, secure border, uh, energy dominance that we had. We were ex we were net exporter of energy. Now you got the president of the United States, Joe Biden, going to Saudi Arabia, begging for oil while he's shipping strategic petroleum reserves to China. I mean, this is nuts. And so it's a real problem for for working. Well, he families. begged. He begged. Uh... Uh, General, he begged for 100,000 barrels, which is chump change. And then the Saudi Arabians, after they accomplished uh, making a fool out of him, uh, and uh, he, uh, the Saudis, I think last Friday, took away the 100,000 barrels. Yeah, no, it's, look, there, and there are a bunch of things, and we've been very direct with this administration. There are some things he can do right now 
uh, to jumpstart, you know, energy production right here in the United States. We have all the energy we'll ever need right here. But these leftists like John Kerry fly around on their private jets and want to lecture working class Americans about what they need to do or California, right, that's going to ban uh, vehicles that run on gas in a few years. Meanwhile, they're telling everybody not to charge their electric vehicles because they don't have enough energy to do it. There are some things right now we could do. Restart the Keystone XL pipeline. Stop holding back energy producers from drilling, you know, in the Gulf or in Alaska. Uh, in the, this working group on uh, the social cost of greenhouse gases, this is nuts, guys. Here's what they're doing. They're essentially saying with this working group, they're predicting migration patterns and warfares hundreds of years in the future, pulling it back into present-day value and taxing and regulating agriculture, manufacturing, making things more expensive. And then you've got this ridiculous uh, ESG policy um, that is, you know, punishing energy producers because it's this woke capitalism that doesn't work. And uh, their obligation to these pension funds isn't to virtue signal. It's to get the best return for those folks who've worked really hard for that pension. And you see this kind of undermining capitalism. So there's a lot going on, but it all leads to higher prices. So, Eric, Ed, Ed Cox here. So what are the issues in Missouri that are playing out in your race? What are the big issues? Yeah, we're, I mean, <clears throat> these are kitchen table issues, right? And so um, as the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate, I mean, clearly voters in Missouri are very concerned about inflation. They're, they're concerned about the rising cost of everything. And they understand that, you know, Missouri is not a big energy producing state, but it's very sensitive. So people, when they pay utility bills and higher rent, I mean, these are the things that people care about. And they want someone, by the way who's going to go there and push back. That has certainly been my record. I was the first AG in the country to sue on the OSHA vaccine mandate. We took that to the Supreme Court and won. Missouri's led the charge on immigration-related issues. Title 42, we were successful in keeping that in place. That accounts for about 50% of all the expulsions of the border. So if you think it's bad now, just double it. And now the left is seeing, you know, in Martha's Vineyard, you know, you got all these Democrats who didn't seem to have a problem, and then all of a sudden there's 50 of them, and they declare a state of emergency. I mean, it's it's totally nuts. So we've led the charge on a lot of these big issues. And also, by the way, locally, I sued 47 school districts for enforcing the masking of kindergartners. There's no science to support this. We got them to back down, and the parents are very supportive of what we're doing. So we're in a good spot to make sure we win this Senate seat in Missouri. It's a 50-50 Senate. There's no path to get to the majority if we don't hold Missouri, and we're working really hard to do it. Eric, Again, what about what about the crime issue? Yeah, it's a big issue. You've got a Soros-funded prosecutor in St. Louis. You've got another one in Kansas City. Um, when, when President Trump was in office, I mean, we partnered with the U.S. Attorney's Office, added bandwidth to prosecute violent crime, carjackings. But you've got a local prosecutor who's the only person in the state who can charge people with murder who refuses uh, to prosecute violent crime. And so the story in St. Louis is the same story you see in Chicago and New York and other places across the country where these prosecutors – who, again, are the only, you know, the world needs a lot of social workers, you know, that, that, and God bless the people who go do that. But when there's one person elected to actually make these charging decisions in those areas, you need people who are going to be law of order. And we're doing everything we can um, working with some federal prosecutors, but we're somewhat limited in our jurisdiction. And uh, but we're doing everything we can to fight back. But it's a mess. Again, to remind our audience, we're talking to Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He's also the Republican nominee in for the U.S. Uh, Senate election in Missouri. So we're watching the TV screens. We're seeing the uproar that's going on in Martha's Vineyard. They're calling it human trafficking. I saw NBC News put out a tweet comparing the migrants to trash. I mean, 
the fact that they are so outraged that, like you just mentioned before, and they're calling this what a, a national crisis, they brought in the National Guard. I mean, what goes through your mind when you're seeing the hypocrisy, the the blatant double standard demonstrated by by these people, by I don't know if you want to call them Democrats, liberals or progressives, regressives. And then you've got Hillary Clinton going on MSNBC this morning on Morning Joe. And she's like, well, yeah, we shouldn't have open borders. So it's like there seems to be there's issues within even the old Democratic Party. Candidate in 2024, you never know. So, yeah, she's hedging her bets. Maybe maybe she's going to do what Bill Clinton did. Bill Clinton came to the second Yeah. Yeah, you see these folks who have these put these signs in their yard, you know, in this house we believe in, you know, whatever. And it's no one's illegal and love and happy or kindness (laughs) is everything. All this kind of virtue signaling that is meant to make them feel great about themselves, right? But when you're dealing with real world issues, uh, all of a sudden they have a different position. I've been to the border twice, and Missouri has led the charge on a lot of these lawsuits to try to get back to the secure border we had under President Trump, because my position is every state's a border state, right? The crime, the uh, fentanyl that is killing people in every community across this country, it's coming from the southern border. And the drug cartels control, control the flow and the distribution of human trafficking, of drug trafficking. We don't know who's coming across the border. We're fooling ourselves if we don't think Russian agents, Chinese agents, um, terrorists who want to take you know, advantage of this country and the porous open border aren't coming across either. So, you know, the left likes to there, be there and lecture everybody about how they're better people than everybody else. But the truth of the matter is when you don't have any rule of law uh, and you have common sense policies like President Trump had under, with Remain in Mexico, which was, look, if you're coming here seeking asylum and nine out of 10 of those claims are bogus, but if you're seeking asylum, Mexico is going to be the waiting room. So what does Joe Biden do? He says, no, we're just going to have give you a court date and hope you come back. Guess how many people come back for those court dates? Not very many. And so these are just common sense policies that worked under President Trump. They've been a disaster under Joe Biden. It's on purpose. And now, you know, you see in places like Washington, D.C. and Martha's Vineyards, they don't like it. They don't like it when that kind of activity is in their communities. And it's the height of hypocrisy. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Eric and um it, it's, we got to save America because our borders are under attack. Don't forget how much fentanyl is coming through our borders. You know what I tell you? I tell all, and maybe you could repeat this. 50,000 people died in Vietnam. 50,000 people died in Korea. 7,000 in Afghanistan. That's 107,000. In the last 12 months, 140,000 Americans have been killed by the fentanyl coming over the borders. Yep. That's Chinese fentanyl. To put that in perspective, it'd be like a plane going down every day in this country, every day of every week of every month of every year. That's how many people are dying every day. The Americans, it's, 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 our people. It's, it's the number are, one killer for 18 to 45-year-olds. It's, it's a mess. Crazy. Thank you so much. Keep fighting for America. God bless you. God bless America. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out what the heck is going on in the economy. We have the number one economist in the country, Larry Kudlow. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show, and we're looking at the headlines now. The White House continues to celebrate the inflation bill as prices keep rising. John Katz Matidis, what do you think about that? I mean, are are they just stupid or they're lying? Well, what I think is that uh, our country, Washington, which I 
repeat, repeat, repeating something rotten in Washington, is not capable of fixing problems. But by raising interest rates to the degree they're raising it, yes, it's a way to, to solve a problem, but they're going to destroy the rest of the country. What do you say to people that say this has nothing really to do with gas prices? You know, it's not about being energy independent and drilling. You know what I would say? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he wasn't painted. <laughs> they're full of crap. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the, the first thing. The first thing uh, that uh, uh, President Biden did is is destroy the uh, the, the pipeline. pipeline deal and uh, and and it was uh, that right there. I remember when you did that press conference. Oh, you know what oh, that sound means? Uh oh, uh oh. I know. I Governor see Governor Patterson is shaking. He's, oh. he's quivering. Oh, it's the, the pain. The number one economist in the world who has the number one show as well on the Fox number Business. Number one show on Fox. And, and he's got and the, the number, number one, one show, show on Saturdays. Absolutely. On, on WABC. So he's just a number one all-around guy. And he looks really good in a tux at that gala. <laughs> Welcome back to Cats at Night, Larry Kudlow. Thank you, John. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate it. Thank you, Governor Patterson. I love hearing you moan. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. All right. All right. 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 Larry, Ed Cox here. I never thought I'd hear Larry saying that to you, Governor. Sorry. So the Fed Fed has never certain about anything, right, in projecting. It's always failed and this and that. But they're 100% sure, based on their data, that there will be a recession in talk about pain in the next 12 months what's that about yeah yeah well uh you can never be sure with the fed look i don't want a recession (laughs) nobody wants a recession no one in their right mind wants a recession uh as john was saying or someone lydia was saying the first thing biden did was destroy our whole successful energy policy and then the second thing he did was spend us into oblivion which triggered the inflation in the first place actually the whole story is so dumb even now, all this recent legislation is uh, spending more and more money, about $1.5 trillion. So Uncle Sam is spending and stimulating while the Fed is supposedly turning on the monetary brakes. So there's a conflict there. Uh, I had Fred Smith on the show, the founder of FedEx, a very brilliant man, a great service to America. Uh, his CEO this morning uh, says they see a global recession The numbers coming out this past week were recessionary-type numbers. So it's not a good story. I wish it were better. I believe the cavalry is going to come and change this. You cannot uh, lie to the American people. They know that America is in economic decline. They don't like it one bit. I, by the way, sided with the Railroad Workers Union because all they're trying to do is get some higher pay to offset the inflation. Not their problem. It's done by the federal government. So we're going to have to run the course and uh, hope that we get a policy change uh, after the election and hope this thing doesn't go too far. But it's very hard. You know, the market was off, I don't know, 1,400 points this week. It's just not a good story. That's all I can say. It will get better, but right now it's not good. If we can get the Congress uh, and the Senate in November, uh, even though uh, President Biden has veto ability, uh, do you think we'll be able to uh, do the right thing by the world? I mean, I interviewed the uh, president of, of the World Bank today. He'll be on our Sunday show. And he is concerned about the whole world, not just the United States. Well, Matt Pass, a very smart guy, is a very dear friend. Yes, the world, the world economy looks very poor. Uh, China looks poor. Europe looks poor. Uh, 
North America, USA looked poor. But, John, I, th- I think at a minimum, to your point, uh, if the cavalry comes and you get the Congress changes hands, it will be much likelier that they can stop the bad stuff, the really bad stuff. The question then is whether they can restore free market supply side policies, turn the energy fossil fuel spigots back on. Um, I don't know how far they can go. Biden will have the veto pen. You probably need to get the White House in 2024, but they can stop the worst of it. There aren't going to be any more student loan cancellations. There's not going to be any more uh, $500 billion giveaways uh, for electric vehicles and you can't charge the batteries. All that nonsense, all the social spending nonsense, and the progressives want to scratch every single left-wing itch they have. That stuff can be stopped. So that would be something. That would be something good and something to look forward to. uh we were at dinner last night with uh, our friend Mark Simone and uh, uh, with uh, yourself. And uh, Donald, uh, uh, President Trump, called to wish Mark Simone a happy birthday. And then he wanted to talk to you. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, That's a privileged I, conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. See, Larry, I'm not always that bad. Well, see, thank you. Thank you, Governor, for saving Larry. Uh, uh, all, all, all I'll say is uh, I, there's one thing I can say that uh, the president, I do speak to him regularly, and once again said to me, stay in good health. I'll let you draw your own implications. From that means that. he wants but you he... back, Larry. He wants you back <laughs> well, in 2025. Uh, that, but... that the good news is we'll both be hopefully we'll both be alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark Simone won't let me go again. <laughs> uh, I'm the one that advised you last time. Go. Yes, you did. Uh, absolutely. You, yes, you, uh, yes, you did. Ed Cox. Yes, we were we were we were talking before. And you, being uh, President Nixon's son-in-law, you still get some intelligence from from uh, China. Oh yeah, uh, what, tell us the intelligence. Yeah, you got I was from talking. China. I was talking to a knowledgeable business. He says that forty thousand businesses are closing a day in China. Wow. Now that means just they're closing their doors. They may open them again. They may go into bankruptcy, but literally closing their doors. That's how bad the economy is there. Is it due to COVID? Yeah. It's both it's both the lockdowns, but also Xi's policy. And Xi is pulling all power back to him, while Deng, under his policies, empowered everybody. He gave up power to them. And that's, that, that's a major factor for an economy, isn't it? You know, Ed, Ed's point is really important. Uh, I mean, both points are correct, but we're a long way from the market openings of Deng Xiaoping, which launched uh, 20 years of prosperity. Uh, and I don't think coincidentally that that occurred after the Nixon uh, Kissinger openings. I don't think that was a coincidence. But uh, for the here and now, I saw this, Ed, when I was on the China trade uh, team. And we went over there a couple of times and they were in Washington with us many times. They've tightened. They've basically thrown out the pro-market attitudes. Uh, they're now back to the big state-run industries. They're now back to allocating credit. And, of course, they've clamped down on free speech as well as free enterprise. And it's hurt their economy. Look, you look at their numbers. Nowadays, the optimistic case in China 
is 5% growth, and they're not going to get that. They're in recession. It used to be the optimistic case was 15 to 20% growth. Those days are long gone. And um, by the way, uh, Fred Smith mentioned that uh, today when he came on set, uh, because obviously FedEx has a window into China. But that they've clamped down. They've clamped down on all the freedoms, the economic freedoms and the free speech freedoms and the religious freedoms. It's a terrible story. They are our biggest adversary. Although I got to say, Eddie, that I love the fact that Ukraine is really kicking some butt. Now, (laughs) I love that. I just love that. And Russia looks like they're turning tail. They're even pulling their Navy out, for God's sake. So. That's a, 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 a at least one plus on the world scene. Well, I, like I, we talked at dinner last night, we, I had Kissinger for lunch, and he says we cannot give up any territory for mm. to Russia. Otherwise, every other dictator is going to go after us for, for everything. Turkey for the Greek islands, uh, China for Taiwan, etc., etc. You can never reward you aggression. Can, you cannot reward an aggression. I'm uh, with you. Absolutely. 100%. Ex- well, thank you, Larry Kudlow. Have a, have a great weekend. And uh, I'm going to be listening to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, the great. number one show on Saturday mornings. God bless you. Uh, thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Pray for our economy. And uh, let's take a break. And I understand we got Lou Dobbs calling in. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. In studio, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Governor David Patterson, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. And on the line, we have the next governor of New York, hopefully. Lee, oh, <laughs> Lee Zeldin, welcome back to Cats at Night. Hey, it's great to be with all of you. Well, we had uh, Ed Cox leave the room. so that we Let the that. record reflect. Let the record reflect because I understand he's doing something that you can't be in the same room with you. Well, he's doing an independent, right? Independent Whatever. No, don't committed. even talk about it. Okay. He's, he's gone. He's so, gone. So, so, Lee, you, so uh, Lee Zeldin, you can talk. Tell us what the hell's going on. Uh, whose polls are right? Uh, uh, John McLaughlin's polls have you neck and neck. Um, Hochul's polls have have you fifteen uh, fifteen points down. Points down. Give us your feelings. Where the heck are we? Uh, right now, we're just a few points behind. We're in a, a great position for being in the middle of September. A couple of the public polls that came out in the last couple of weeks uh, to look at that Trafalgar poll had it as a four point race. Uh, another group called Coefficient had it as a six point race. Uh, we're tracking it as just a few points down ourselves. And uh, when you know George Pataki was running against Mario Cuomo in 94, the last six polls that came out, the last week of that race uh, had George Pataki down in all six. Actually, four of the six had him down double digits. Yeah, one poll had him down 15 points. That's right. The, yeah, the Daily News poll, uh, which was a poll that was highly regarded with great respect as a, a poll that, that always nails the winner, uh, they had him down uh, double digits, and uh, Pataki obviously won by three and a half. The polls were about 15 points off that week. That average was about 11 and a half. So for us to be in this position right now is great. Uh, we have got a really great week all throughout the week. A lot of uh, Democrat uh, current elected officials, former elected officials, uh, Democrat leaders, uh, all partnering with one shared goal. We have to take back our streets. And, you know, as, as John Katzmatidis understands better than anybody else, it's all about who do you trust more to make sure the streets 
of New York are safe. Uh, for all New Yorkers who are hitting their breaking point right now, struggling, affording to survive here, waking up to stories of corruption like this, over $600 million no-bid contract that Kathy Hochul awarded to a campaign, a top campaign donor and paid twice the going rate for the COVID tests. You know, it's just important for us to have balance in Albany, a government that we can be proud of, and a situation where people don't have to flee the state and we can actually bring more people and businesses here. This is about saving New York. And it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, or independent. We saving have to New York. Lee Zeldin, I've said that. And I've said this to Kathy Hochul, too. I've said that in September and October, people are going to be determined who's going to keep New York City safe. And that's all we want. You know, charge us whatever you want to charge us in taxes, you know. But keep us safe. Uh, you know, people want to want to re- come back to work. They want to be able to ride subways. They want to be able to ride buses. I want to be able to walk through Harlem again and, and, and be safe. And that's all we want. And, and locally, uh, in Nassau County, Suffolk County, the five boroughs, four boroughs in New York, Westchester, you know what they want? The hell with congestion pricing. They're going to suck our blood until we die. Lee, what do you say about the congestion pricing fiasco? I oppose the congestion pricing plan. Uh, Kathy Hochul supports the congestion pricing plan. Uh, If you want more people to be riding public transportation, you need to improve the experience, the service. I actually just today, for example, I was riding the New York City subway uh, all throughout the city. And at one point I was talking to a commuter who's Jewish. Uh, Orthodox Jewish, and he said that he used to uh, ride the subways with his yarmulke on, which he wears all the time, but he has to take it off when he rides the subway. And, you know, we got to continuing to talk further about Did it. He shaves his beard? Wife... Oh, he, he is a modern Orthodox, uh, so no beard, but he uh, he says his wife doesn't ride the subway at all. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we talk about it here. John always asks the question, would you let your children ride the subway? And my answer to that is no, I wouldn't let my kids ride the subway. And Lee Zeldin, I have a quick question to ask you. So clearly the MTA has a shortfall. Everybody's blaming the MTA for the congestion tax. Remember back when Cuomo actually approved it, they called it a commuter tax. At the end of the day, the MTA just needs the money, right, to kind of fill that shortfall. Governor Hochul, could she have balanced the budget a different way, or is there a way to get the money somewhere else to kind of do improvements or whatever the money that they need to keep them keep them on track? It seems to me that there could have been another way to get funding. All these taxes, the pot, all these things that are going on, and yet she wants to put it on the back of um, average Americans, middle Americans trying to go to their doctor's appointments and, and go to work, go to their cancer treatments at the hospitals in Midtown. Yeah, and people just can't afford it. And you know, on top of the economic impact, the, the irony here, and we saw this play out with the London examples, that you'll end up with more congestion on side streets in Queens and Brooklyn. You'll have more truck traffic on the Staten Island Expressway. You'll have more truck traffic in the Bronx. So you'll end up actually with more congestion, which was the irony of, of the London example. Now, as it relates to the MTA, we were just talking about one of the best ways to increase revenue is to have more people riding, the, 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 whether it's a subway or it's a bus or whatnot, more people to have faith and trust in the system. I'll also tell you that one of the other issues is fair jumping. Like the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg came in on day one 
and he issued his day one memo and all different kinds of offenses he said uh, he was not going to prosecute. And we all remember about a month ago that NYPD uh, officer who ends up in a fight with a 16-year-old in the subway where a few days earlier he was committing a violent robbery back out on the streets. He was trying to fair, fair jump. The officer tried stopping him. The 16-year-old then fights him, thinking he's entitled to. And he actually went in front of the judge asking if he could press charges against the officer. Uh, we have to tackle the fair jumping. There's money to be saved there. You can look at the vendor contracts. Uh, you can look at ways to cut down overtime abuse. There's a lot to look at, but fundamentally – Improving faith in the service, improving ridership, uh, having people feel safe, uh, this all goes to, to that answer. And the last thing I would just add to uh, the, the last point we're talking about, which is not, not quite underground with the subway, but uh, something else that here on the street, at the beginning of the week, I was meeting with somebody who was talking about how one of the things that he loved about life in Manhattan is the ability to just go walk 10, 15, 20 blocks on a beautiful Manhattan night. And, and just enjoy life in the Big Apple. And he says now with his family, his wife, his kids, if they have to go two blocks, they'll call an Uber. They don't feel comfortable at, at nighttime walking these, these streets. And it's just important for us to bring back that dream. People uh, who have an American dream, which is a New York dream, which is a New York City dream, we have to bring that back to life. And the key fundamental there is public safety. Lee, it's, it's Richard Weinberg again. I want to ask you, why is it so hard for uh, Kathy Hochul to make a date with you to have some debates? What is she afraid of? She will, she will lose if she has a debate. She'll lose more if she doesn't have a debate. And the absentee ballots start going out in seven days. And uh, it's, I believe it's important. You know, she says that I'm extreme. Maybe it's extreme to propose that we have debates before people vote not after people vote. And I don't know if what she has in mind is a 3 p.m. Uh, non-televised debate the day before an election. She's just not saying where, when, how many. I believe that we should have at least five debates, and we should have them in different locations around the state. I'd debate her in all of the media markets everywhere. But here's the point. She hasn't even accepted one debate. It's debate time. And, and, you know, she I believe that we should repeal cashless bail, give judges discretion away. Dangerous. Well, that's what Mayor Adams is asking for. Lee Zeldin, it's interesting yes, you say about the cashless bail, because coming on uh, after you and you're welcome to stay on for a few minutes is uh, Gary McCarthy. They, Illinois just went crazy today. I think the governor, uh, Pritzker, I mean, I guess. I mean, being rich and Hyatt uh, uh, chain, uh, you, lost his makes brains. It, you lost lose his your brains. brain somehow. They, what are they doing exactly, Judge? They're making is it. There's only going to be a handful of bail eligible crimes, Lee, in the, the state of Illinois, and including second degree murders. You're not going to be able to set bail. It's going to be even worse than New York. Just when you thought New York was the worst place to be in terms of protecting the public safety, they're going to make Illinois even worse. On January 1st of 2023, the Safety Act will commence in the state of Illinois. This act will get rid of cash bail in its system in its entirety. The name Safety is an acronym for Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and, and Equity. We got Gary today. McCarthy <laughs> on the phone, and he used to be the number two guy at the NYPD, I believe, right? Right. He was a former 
former police superintendent, also a top cop here at the in the NYPD. Uh, Gary, Gary, just how bad is this? Does this mean for Illinois? I mean, I just I can't even imagine. We're talking about crimes like second degree murder, not to be bail eligible. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The criminal justice system is just not able to do its job under the policies and laws that are being set by politicians. It's, it's really that simple. And, and when I say the system, I'm talking about everybody from judges to beat cops, everybody from corrections officers to, you know, chiefs of police. Um, it, it's really insane. I mean, they, they fired. I don't they, understand the end game. Gary, I don't understand what the goal is. They fired you because you were doing your job. You you brought some of the crime down in in Chicago. They didn't want that. No, and and you know what, John? If you guys have a chance, and I don't know if you could look it up, there is a really stark commercial that just came out against both Governor Pritzker and Laurie Lightfoot, and it, it's a woman walking down the street, and it's a ring bell, and it and it says. Just another Sunday afternoon in Lakeview, which is a great neighborhood out here in Chicago. And she gets jumped by four guys, and, and there's no sound on the, on the actual commercial except for the woman screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. And it really tells the story of what's going on here when on a Sunday afternoon, one of the nicest neighborhoods in Chicago is not safe. And, it, and it's only going to get worse. It's we have on the phone with us uh, Congressman Zeldin, who's running for governor of New York State. Any questions, uh, Lee Zeldin, for uh, Gary? Well, I guess, uh, you know, the Prisoners for Pritzker Coalition would like to know where they can donate to his reelection. <laughs> 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 well said. I think there's something about a commissary in there. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Lightfoot already looks like she's pulling her hair out. She'll be bold by the end of this. I mean, well, crime is already out of control in Chicago. This is only going to make it worse. And they only have 48 hours to charge someone to, like, put their case together. So we're going to have murderers free left and right. Gary McCarthy. So cops, they must be freaking out. I mean, I can't imagine any cop wanting to stay on the job or anybody in the DA's office wanting to stay on the job with this. Well, they're about bailing out of the DA's office at the top levels. Uh, on Kim Fox um, here in Crook County, as we like to refer to it. And and at the same time, we've got police officers walking away from pensions with like 11 years on the job. I mean, you're more than halfway to where you need to be, and they're walking away and they're going to other places, and, and it's just pathetic. We have the, the same problem in New York. Absolutely. We have the, the same problem in New York. Absolutely disgruntled, sitting on their hands, there's no reason to get involved. You're only going to get in trouble. Um, there's no point to the system right now, and it's got to change. It has absolutely got to change. Lee Zeldin, what are you hearing from cops on the ground? I mean, it's impacted them in many different ways. One is they feel like they're unable to do their job. We see it with some of the discovery law changes that were made. They obviously complain about uh, the changes on cashless bail. Uh, in New York City, they've attacked qualified immunity. Now they're trying to attack qualified immunity statewide. Morale is taking a hit. They feel like elected officials don't have their back. It's not an easy job as it is. And it's just important to support any man or woman who wants to selflessly serve to protect a community. And that's just not the direction that things are heading right now. And it's uh, it, it's spreading now to other cities and states elsewhere.
Lee Zeldin, would you allow your daughters, your two, your, they're, they're adorable, your daughters, and your beautiful wife, would you allow them to walk down the street, say, at 8 o'clock at night right here in Midtown Manhattan? Would you feel well, safe? I, my daughters certainly would not be uh, walking by themselves. I'll tell you, my uh, my wife, she's a, she's a tough cookie. So, uh, I, you know, she, she can she can handle herself, but... Um, yeah, I, I certainly would have room for caution and concern, not so much uh, for whatever she might say, how she might feel safe in a given moment. But I'll tell you, we're starting to you know, smell marijuana more on the streets. You're seeing people shooting up crack. Honestly, I mean, the last time, the, pr- the prior time that I was riding on the subway, there was a, a, a homeless guy, mentally ill person on the side just masturbating. So, you know, as far as the, the parenting aspect of it, one aspect of this is their safety. The other is is just about what they get exposed to walking these streets that they weren't exposed to previously. We got one minute left, thirty seconds apiece. Tell us uh, how you feel before on a Friday afternoon before we hang up. Hey, we have to be optimistic. We live in the greatest country in the history of the world. We have challenges, yes. Uh, we will be once again living in the greatest state of the greatest country in the history of the world. So everyone should roll into the weekend with us. Despite these challenges that we talk about on air. Well, thank you, Lee Zeldin. And I'll be out in Southampton, your old uh, ground, tomorrow morning uh, with our priest, Father Alex. And, uh, and uh, Gary, come back to New York. Uh, we need help. Well, you know what? I, I'm having conversations with the police chiefs across the country. It's not particular to New York or Chicago, as, as Lee was saying. It's spread across the country. And rolling into the weekend, I say, Put on your Kevlar and keep your head down. Well, thank you so much, uh, guys. And uh, uh, let's pray for America. Let's pray for the world because we're in deep crap. Thank you so much. And uh, let's uh, we're going to take a break now. And we're going to come back with Dr. Peter Mihalos with uh, today's revelations. What's going on with, uh, with uh, science? Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Before we get to the latest medical revelation, Governor Patterson had one of his own. I just thought that Mr. Zeldin, who I have found, you know, over the years to be sort of underwhelming when he did interviews, that that was an excellent interview. In other words, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, he answered the questions he spoke to the feelings of the people in, the, in not just Long Island, but upstate and the city. And it was, uh, I'm looking forward to this debate that they're going to have. Interesting what you say. He's, a, he's cannot, in rhythm. He's in rhythm. He's now. in rhythm, yeah. He's I cannot rhythm. imagine the governor not debating. We're going to run out of time. Imagine. Let's go to Dr. Peter Michalos. Uh, Peter, what's going on? Well, I just wanted to give uh, some fascinating studies about uh, space travel and how our bodies, how susceptible we are to EMF and uh, radiation. And basically, when we talk about the electric cars, we talked about sitting in a box like a reverse Faraday cage. And in space travel, too, we're learning that these people sitting in the space station and space travel, now that they've been analyzing and doing tests on their bodies, they're coming up with, for example, more eye problems and uh, having DNA Uh, changes found in their cells from space travel. And there's two kinds of radiation. There's non-ionizing and ionizing, a high frequency and the lower frequency. The lower lower energy ones are Bluetooth, power lines, cell phones, Wi-Fi, electric cars. And 
but some of them can have high energy. So one of the things that we talk about is uh, the high frequency of these earbuds that all these little kids are, are wearing, and we still don't know enough about it. And I'm just saying I don't know, and uh, the the answers aren't out there yet. But it's interesting that people who are traveling in space inside those space uh, stations, they have tons of EMF, Wi-Fi, solar radiation. And then the other study, which pieces it all together in the Norwegian uh, University of Science and Technology. They looked at uh, rec medical records from 1676 to 1878, and they showed that if you were born during periods of high uh, radiation activity and solar flares, you die five years faster than people who weren't born. Wow. And the other times were August 1972 and March 1989, when it was what's called solar maximum when the sun is at uh, its highest uh, amount of flares, sunspots, and what, what are called coronal mass injections. So how I'm tying all this in is that all this long-term research about how different types of radiation can affect the body, can affect longevity, are affecting eyes. And uh, there is even an eye syndrome associated now with space travel. So that we're learning that maybe, you know, sitting inside one of these reverse Faraday cages, in my opinion, which is an electric car where you have EMF, batteries, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all bouncing around this metal box. I think long-term we're going to be learning a lot more over time, and I think more research needs to be done. And I think that uh, scientists have spread concerns around the world, even with these wireless earbuds that Dr. John Howard, who's out on the show, said that the ones with the wire produce much, much less radiation in his research and his opinion. So these are just things that we need to be aware of because when x-rays came out, they used to use it on acne until they figured out it caused thyroid cancer when you were exposed to it. That's why they put that radiation shield at the dentist around your neck. Or when UVC radiation came out, they used it for skin infections until they found out it caused skin melanomas. So I think more research needs to be done, but this uh, work that's being done with the damage of space flight and how we have to shield people more. And if you ever wonder an electric car, how come they don't have AM radios in them? Because those frequencies are so powerful that they disrupt the AM signal power so much that you can't even hear it. So now we have to learn more about how to shield electric cars, how to shield the motors and the batteries and the passengers to minimize the EMF exposure. So it's all. Does that mean all the AM out. stations are not playing in electric cars? We should start a class action suit against them. <laughs> I think no, this man, is. We should ask Alan Dorinsky that. How about well, Dershowitz? John, I think WABC penetrates all uh, cars what? because of the uh, righteousness of this station. It yeah, penetrates no, really, all yeah. of these uh, uh, abilities to scientific methods of stopping. are you it. suggesting we mandate WABC on all cars? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that there has to be an, an enhanced uh, protective shielding mechanism so that people can hear and enjoy AM signal, and I think it's a uh, a form of discrimination, just like now doctors' websites, are people are getting sued because their website are not disability friendly. And if you don't, if you're not able to click on it and hear what it says, they come after you. And there's actually a bunch of professional, perpetual litigants that sue doctors out there for that. Dr. Peter Mihalos, uh, thank you for coming on. And you're going to be on on Sunday. What are you going to be talking about on Sunday? On Sunday, we're going to be talking about some of the latest research in longevity so we can all be here and to celebrate uh, WABC's 150th anniversary. Well, thank you so much, Judge Richard Weinberg, Ed Cox, uh, and uh, Governor, uh, Governor Patterson.
Lydia Serrani, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America, and we need God's help in the whole world.